Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Hello, Covenant East. It's so nice. Sorry? Hi. Hi, Hi of course. Hi. <laughs> it's so nice to see this auditorium fully filled. I've heard many fantastic things about you. Fantastic location, fantastic air, and fantastic people. Is that right? That's right. All right. So I knew that is true all along. So this is my 20th year in our fantastic church. And it's also my 50th year on this planet. When I crossed my half-century mark, I told God that I'll be bold and courageous for Him. And one of those bold and courageous acts was agreeing six months ago to preach this Sunday. And I've not slept ever since. <laughs> so to hear the sequel to this sermon, if ever there'll be one, you have to wait another 50 years if I indeed become bold and courageous again. Now, in my years in Covenant, I've been mightily blessed with over a thousand sermons. But today's will be very special. Special for me, for one, that I cannot fall asleep during the service. For another, I can say to my wife, June, who is here today with us, that, dear, you've got to listen to me. <laughs> Together, we have a son, a child, Ray, uh, he was here earlier this morning. He's now at the Capri with the upper primary, not the upper universities, but upper primary. So June serves actively in WIC and she co-leads with me in the zone ministry. Like most of us here, that, that's Ray. Like most of us here, I'm a lay person, an everyday man, Looking at the everyday issues in the marketplace every day, we face similar pains and struggles of our work, of our family, and our Christian living. Now, I hope to make a humble attempt today to distill the many precious lessons that I've learned from Covenant through the years with an aim to make them applicable for our everyday living. So if you allow me, our senior pastors encourage us to share our own stories in the marketplace. Now, they are not great stories of victories won, but they are full of faults, failures, warts, and all. But they are real. They are not second-hand stories. But importantly, they are full of God's grace and God's glory. We share in the hope that more can be inspired to win the marketplace for our King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, teach us how to be good men and women of the Christian faith. Guide us how to engage the marketplace Christianly, how to live distinctively. Convict our hearts, O Lord, to be missional in our faith to serve our King. May every word from my mouth be that of yours. Amen. Biblical Marketplace 
What does the Bible tell us about the marketplace? It alludes to a broad description of people as well as activities. In the New Testament times, it was generally described as a public open space, indeed a church without walls. Here are three examples. First, Luke 7, 32. They are like children who sit in a marketplace and call to one another. This is Jesus' illustration citing children's presence in the marketplace. Matthew 23, and he, referring to God in the parable of the laborer in the vineyard, he went out in the third hour. He saw others standing idle in the marketplace. So it discussed a place where our work people chill out and look for potential employment. Acts 1717. Acts 17.17 So he, referring to Paul in Athens, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So he discussed a forum for religious free speech like our Honlim Square. So these verses describe the marketplace as a place for everyday men, a place where we congregate. So let's bring it to our present day's context. Let's bring it to our contemporary marketplace. So if you're a working professional, where is your marketplace? It's a workplace, of course. Singapore's labor force participation rate is about 70%. So that is about the bulk of us here. Now, before I lose the other 30% of us, let me say that our definition of the marketplace is a lot broader, a lot more inclusive than that. Now, help me with this. And if you're a student, where is the marketplace? It's a campus. And what about an NS man? Where is your marketplace? It's the camp. Okay, how about this? What if you were a retiree? Where is a marketplace? Ah, it could be a coffee shop. <laughs> it can be a cruisers. It can be a golf courses. You have many choices. Lastly, what about homemakers? A homemaker, where is your marketplace? Ah, the market. <laughs> the market is your marketplace. More than that, it's your NTUCs, your kitchens, your yum cha places, your parks, you have a very big marketplace. Marketplace can therefore be redefined as wherever we are, with our natural spheres of influence around us. So it's all-inclusive. It catches all institutions, all seasons of life, all vocations. So long as you have your pulse, you have a marketplace. It's indeed our church without walls. Now, all this pivot to our very first point. Wherever we are, it is God who has placed us. Wherever we are, it is God who has placed us. In our text from the book of Exodus, which you'll read in a short while, it depicts a sliver of the life of Moses. It's instructive to know that Moses also had his marketplace. In fact, he had three of them. For context, 
Moses had three significant seasons of his life, each lasting for 40 years. His first was in Egypt as a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. At age 40, Moses killed an Egyptian and he was identified as a murderer. He fled Egypt to Midian for 40 years of silence and solitude experience in complete obscurity, tending to the flock. That was his second season. In his final season, which is arguably his finest, his best, it was a magnificent thriller. It was about the great exploits of out of Egypt and 40 years in the desert. So there you are. In his three seasons, Moses had three distinctive marketplaces in the palatial Egypt, in the pastures of Midian, as well as on the move in the wilderness. It was God who has placed him, no different from your case and from my case. Before we move on, let's establish why the marketplace is so crucial, is so important to us. It's because it's a place that we spend a meaningful part of our time because it's a place whereby we can actively express our Christian faith, our testimony, our worship unto God. It is also a place of intersection of faith and culture, of our church and society. Our PM in waiting, DPM Lawrence Wong, very eloquently said this two years ago in a Straits Times article when asked about how he took on the COVID challenge he testified about his good upbringing to do his best in what he does. He went on to say that I suppose in the Methodist tradition, and may I add in our EFC tradition, your work is your worship. Your work is your worship. We cannot delink our faith from day to day. If you do it well, if you take responsibility, that's a testimony of how you as a person I an example, a light to the world. Wow, it's so well said, isn't it? So the marketplace is a very important place to us because our work is our worship. Our work is our testimony and we can be a light to the world. Wherever we are, it is God who has placed us to be there. And our marketplace is very important for our Christian faith. Let's move on to the second W of marketplace discipleship, whenever. Whenever we cry, God hears. Whenever we cry, God hears. What then does the Bible tell us about reconciling the many challenges that we face in the marketplace? Let's take a look in a very familiar text, Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Exodus 2.23 brings us to the point between the end of Moses' second season and the start of his third. At 70, Moses was no longer a shadow of his past. His ambition has fully died. His life has been fully surrendered. He had no idea that God was just about to change Israel's history through his one life. Then, like a Broadway musical, there was a sudden change in sin. Entered Exodus 2.23. God heard Israel's cries. Let's read this passage 
aloud together. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Such a beautiful portrait of God, isn't it? Verse 24. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. Verse 25. God saw. God knew. What does God knew mean? In NIV, it was translated as God was concerned. NASB, it says that God took notice of them. Ah, and I like this best. NLT. It's translated as God knew that it was time to act. God knew it was time to act. Now, how does a picture of the world today look like? Isn't pretty, isn't it? Society at large is fraying away. The moral laws that we value, the cultural laws that we cherish, they have all been unhinged in the past moorings. People are groaning. We hear the cries of a lost world around us. Our youth, our elderly, our migrant workers, they are all groaning under the incredible stress they are manifesting in visceral anger and some with unkind words. Now, these are compounded by recent uncertainties. COVID has increased the travails of work, or blurring of work-home boundaries, loss of work, loss of life, loss of businesses. Work-from-home Zoom meetings have also afforded us a rare peak into the homes of some. The picture isn't pretty. Not just Zoom fatigue, but some even had spousal fatigue. For some, the cabin fever has also mutated into divorce fever. Now, even if COVID were indeed over, now we have a new enemy. It's called inflation. Just as we can finally go out and eat to our heart's content. There are no more cheap, cheap things to eat anymore. The world and its economy are wounded. It needs healing. More important than that, they need spiritual healing. What does the Bible tell us about God in the midst of all these storms? Where is God? Is he near? Our text reminds us that whenever we cry to him, God hears. When was the last time that you cried out to God? Mine was exactly 20 years ago. It did not lead me to Egypt, nor 40 years in the desert, but it led me to three promised lands, of which one of them is to covenant. I remember June 2002 very clearly. It was one of my life's defining moments, gone and God moments. Gone case, but God came. Gone case, but God came. Then there were acute challenges on my life's three major fronts. In the home front, we had family issues. My 
parents who had been married for about 30 plus years then, they had umbrage. Yes, umbrage every day. I didn't know the word then, but today I found that word that has absolutely described the tensions and the mood of the day. Work-wise, I was five years into the job. On one hand, I was actively leading a marketplace Christian fellowship at work. On the other hand, I didn't enjoy a job fit. I became chronically unhappy at work. I prayed, I sought Christian counsel, and finally I knew that it was time for me to move on. After many interviews, and some well into the third and fourth round, with hours at the interview, I thought I already had a job in my pocket, but yet I was rejected. My self-worth plummeted, and using the investment parlance, I felt like a penny stock at that point in time. Now, church-wise, I was already in my previous church for 13 years. Then many people were transiting out for non-trivial reasons. And soon, even my pastor moved on, and I knew that it was time for me to move on. Then, my Exodus 2.23 moment arrived. SCS summoned me for reservist training. It was right after 911. And if you remember, the situation then was very tense. One evening after deploying the soldiers for the day, I went for my evening run, come prayer. I was alone in a wide expanse of greenfield. There I was, petitioning to God, groaning to Him about my circumstances. Suddenly, oh, suddenly, I heard the voice of God. It was like a burning bush encounter. There were no iterative exchanges like what Moses had. God simply said six words, six very important words to me. They were weighty words, they were monosyllabic words. And he said, I heard you, it is done. I heard you, it is done. I didn't know what they meant, nor what they portend, but I simply took them in, lost stock and barrel, but it did not take me long to find out. Soon, reservist was over. I went back to my civilian life, back to my marketplace. Do you want to make a guess what happened? How did things unfold? My best guess wouldn't have come close. The umbrage at home ended abruptly two months later. Not quite the way that I wanted. Dad died of heart attack, and one hit, he was out. In August this year, two months later, it will be his 20th death anniversary. Mom moved on in life for better and for good. She discovered God in a new way. In her 60s, she led a CG in our church. Well into her 70s, led many lives along with her. This can only be the work of God. Workwise, I was seconded while I didn't even ask for it. It was a new lease of life for me. New purpose, new blessings. My career took a totally different trajectory and it brought me to where I am today, for which I thank God. I'm able to exercise the giftings that God has blessed me with in my marketplace. 
have opportunities to minister to many people daily, every day at my marketplace. Church-wise, it was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. In July that year, 20 years ago, June and I visited Covenant, and Pastor Chunkai was preaching that Sunday. Back then, we had a physical Sunday bulletin. I look at his name. He was listed as number six in that listing for whatever it meant. I turned to my wife and said, wow, number six, pretty so solid. Better come back and listen to the other five. <laughs> and sure we did. The rest, like they said, it was history. Now, what principles can we draw for marketplace ministry? God's delay isn't God's denial. God's delay isn't God's denial to us. God works in his own seasons, in his timing, not ours. For the Israelites, it was 400 years of wait before God delivered them out of Egypt. For Moses, it was 40 years of wait until God appeared to him in the burning bush encounter. For me, it was four years of waits before he delivered me. His delay should not be interpreted as his denial to us. Oftentimes, the challenges and the delays that we face are for our own faith building. When we do not see the hand of God, we must trust in the heart of God. When we do not see the hand of God, we must trust in the heart of God. In our crucible moments, do not allow our spirits to be broken. If you are a student facing challenges in a campus, if you are a worker feeling chronically unhappy at work, or if you are a person facing tensions at home, or if you are struggling with an illness right now, there is a song of hope. You can dance in the rain because God hears God remembers, God sees, God is on the move. God is still on the throne. Let's move on to our third and our last W for marketplace living. Whatever. Whatever we surrender, God will use. Whatever we surrender to God, God will use. Let's take a step or two back. We'll first address God's call to us at the marketplace, and then address our excuses that come so often on our abilities to perform. They often matters joints at the hip. First, God calls us into his service, into his great exploits from time to time, even if we think or we feel that we are unable or simply unwilling. Let's read Exodus 3, verses 3 to 4. God called out to Moses, after hearing his people cry. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. For the avoidance of doubt, God clearly orchestrated this burning bush experience and even called out his name twice. Yet, Moses gave his excuses. In our humanness, we give many excuses when God calls us to serve, 
whether in our CG, in our MG, in the woman in covenant or in men in covenant, our standard escape clauses to God are many, even Moses. So these are Moses' classics. Insignificance, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh? Or insecurity, they won't listen. And this, inadequacy, oh, I'm not eloquent. God was divinely patient with Moses during this rapid-fire exchange. He gave Moses many assurances. And amongst them, I like this one best. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, and encourage all of us to read aloud together. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A, a plan? No, of course not. It should be a strategy. Yes? Ah, of course not. Okay. It should be a staff. Oh, that famous staff of Moses. Now allow me to continue. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Verse 2. What is in your hands? What was in Moses' hands was not an out-of-Egypt plan. It was not an entering the promised land strategy. It was Moses' staff. Interestingly, this staff was called the staff of God in later passages. The staff of Moses is symbolic. It represents the tools of our trade, our everyday trade. Whatever it might be, start with whatever God has placed in your hands right now. Whether you are an office worker like myself, with a writing pen in your hands, or a homemaker with a frying pan in your hands, God uses them all. If you surrender to Him, He will turn it from the pen of Paul to the pen of Martha into the pen of God, into the staff of God to accomplish the work of God. Into the pen of God, into the staff of God to accomplish the work of God. I'd like to wrap up this point with a principle for marketplace living. And it's a quote from Hudson Taylor. God's work done in God's way will not lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. Oh, he has encouraged me so often. He gave me the courage to soldier on. Put simply, God wants our availability, not our ability. Our availability and not our ability. When responding to God's call, don't focus on your lack, but be available. Start with what's already in your hands. 
Whatever we surrender to do God's work, God will use it. I want to conclude with a final story and then I'll bring it home for all of us. This is a true story. I know it's a true story. It's because, <laughs> yes, it's a true story. <laughs> and I know it because in part it's my story. And in part it's also a story of a fellow marketplace leader. One who has inspired me whilst at his everyday routine work. Last year, I was in a hospital for an unexpected knee surgery. And as you expect by now, there will be a backstory to this. I was an exercise warrior during COVID, and I played tennis three to four times a week with my buddy to counter our cabin fever. I battled two hearts on court, and I ended up limping out of court one day. I went to my orthopedic surgeon, whom I know from afar, as a God-fearing marketplace Christian. After some checks, it was evident that my cartilage was worn out and it needed surgery. Fast forward, I found myself in the operating theatre. Unfortunately, I had general anesthesia a few times before. So I knew the drills, when it would kick in, how I would be knocked out. But at 50, I also appreciated the risk of my mortality much better. I pondered about the risk of not waking up. I told myself I had many unfinished businesses on earth. I had flashbacks of senior pastors, flashbacks of Pastor Matt reminding us that our 40 million seed fund has not yet been fully raised. <laughs> I had flashbacks of my, my wife reminding me that our son's PSLE preparations not yet started, and many more. So lying on the operating theatre bed, looking up, I said my silence and my last-minute prayer to God for successful ops. And to be comprehensive, I also confessed my sins as my insurance to get to heaven in case I couldn't wake up, just in case. Then the moment of reckoning came. The nurses and the anesthetists were scapel ready, surgery ready. My surgeon marched in for his everyday duty. He greeted me, and without skipping a bit, he laid his hand on my knee. He prayed a prayer of the Lord's assurance. He prayed a prayer of the Lord's mighty healing. Oh, it was almost benedictory. While his team watched and waited. He was very pastoral. He was very reassuring. I didn't feel like I was in an operating theater. I felt the upper room experience. I felt almost Pentecostal. <laughs> God assisted me again. He gave me more than my asking insurance faith. He assured me through a surgeon performing his everyday duty in his marketplace. At that moment, my heart felt very full. And before I could say amen, the anesthesia kicked in and was knocked out into the galaxy. So I'm going to ask you again, would you like to guess the outcome? Did I wake up from it? <laughs> so smart, right? Of course I did. I woke up not only with a new knee, but with a new perspective and a new conviction of the heart. Through my surgeon, 
God reminded me of how I could and I must actively profess my faith and demonstrate God's love for me every day in my marketplace. Wherever I am, whatever I have in my hands, whether in the operating theatre with a scapel, whether in my office with a writing pen, or in the kitchen with the frying pan, God wants us to be missional, to reconcile the marketplace, to be His church without walls. I'd like to invite the worship team to come and minister to us. And in a moment, I want to pray for all of us. But first, allow me to bring it home. Today we heard three simple truths. Whenever, wherever we are, it is God who has placed us. Whenever we cry to Him, God hears us. Whatever we surrender to Him, God will use. But so what? Why does God want to do all these things for us? The answer lies in the rejoinder to where we first started this morning. The answer is that so that we can be missional in our marketplace, wherever that means to us. Because our testimony at the marketplace is God's light for the world. Because the marketplace is the truest expression of our church without walls. Again, why does God want to do all these things for us? The answer lies in this. So that you and I might have a purpose-driven life. To experience the great commission for Him and with Him. A purpose larger than ourselves. One larger than mere work and our deadlines. Because God has a destiny for us. A glorious hope of eternity. The marketplace is a frontier where this hope can be heard and this hope can be found. So fellow everyday men in the marketplace, let us claim back and defend every inch of the marketplace for our King and His kingdom. Let's close our eyes before our Lord. Let us be silent before Him. And in that silence, God often speaks the loudest. Friends, where are you now? I'm not asking about your location. I'm asking about your state of your mind, state of your soul, state of your heart. Over the pandemic years, have you been drifting aimlessly or dashing from deadlines to deadlines? God wants to lead us into a new season. A season of renewed purpose. Are you willing to be His everyday minister wherever you are in your everyday life? If you are, 
and as an act of surrender. I ask you to raise both open palms to God right now. In your left palm, imagine the people, the lives, the souls yet unsaved in your spheres of influence. In your right palm, imagine the tools of your trade, whatever that might be for you. Let's surrender them all to God. Allow Him to perform the acts of wonders, the acts of miracles in and through you. Father, you see these precious hands raised to you. All the symbols that they represent. Father, we surrender them all to you. Would you bless us to lead that victorious life that you intended? Use us to win the lives of many in our marketplace. Help us, O Lord, to live the life of Moses. O the voice of old, the faith-filled warrior, believing in Yahweh's power to his very end. We want to live Christianly. We want to live distinctively. We want to live our King Jesus wherever, whenever, and whatever. Amen. Can we thank Paul for that uh, really solid message and sharing? Come on. That's right. Thank you, Paul. What a powerful message. What a reminder. You know, when Paul was sharing the story of going to surgery, just imagine that surgeon has turned his surgery into a place of worship. What's missing is the choir and the, <laughs> the worship. It reminds me also of my own personal story. I went for surgery about 12 years ago. Uh, the surgeon was a Christian, and, uh, he, uh, and uh, he was a good man. He's a good man, a, a godly man. Um, and before I went, was wheeled into the surgery, I was lying on the bed there, and the, the anesthesia uh, doctor came in, and he pulled down his mask and says that, Pastor Matt, you know me or not? I said, what? I go to BBJ, I sit in the back, and say, oh yeah, that's true. That guy is there, the tall dude. I said, yeah, from the church. Then I was wheeled into the surgery, and the three nurses says, Pastor, do you know us? We are from Covenant, the Filipino ministry. <laughs> the whole surgery surgeon team was from Covenant EFC. <laughs> the surgeon turned to me, and he says, well, Pastor, why don't you pray for us? I said, oh, <laughs> So I said, okay, okay. I said, all right. So I prayed. And I said that, uh, I think you better pray for me as well. <laughs> so, all right. It's a place of worship. The people need hope, as Paul said. And we are the messengers and the missionaries in the marketplace. It was here in Singapore and abroad. Turn to someone and say, church continues on Monday. Would you turn to someone and say, church continues on Monday. That's right, church continues on Monday. And God will continue to hear our cries 
as we work Monday to Saturday, we are called to surrender and worship Him as we walk and work every day. So let's be missional as the church continues on Monday. But you see, here's the thing. Often we forget. That's why things like communion are so important so that we will remember our King. Would you take a moment of silence to just say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We will never truly understand, God, the price you pay for us, but Lord, we are grateful for your grace, for your mercy, and your ultimate expression of love. Thank you, for you are our King. And today, we can think of no better way of ending this service but to sing praises to you, God. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Come, let's, let us praise the Lord with this song. Come, would you lift your hands as we sing the chorus of the song? Praises. Praises to the The King of Come on, let's lift up to Him.
shout the praise and the biggest applause because he is worthy of our praise. You ready? One, two, three. Come on, let's give praise. Woo! Praise Jesus. Come on. Woo! Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise the name of God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands before the Lord as I pray this benediction over us. It's from Jude, the book of Jude. And I remember there was one Sunday, Pastor Barney was praying this in the benediction. And the first few words just caught my attention. They say, now to him who is able. I thought to myself, I'm not able. I'm not able to be that person in the marketplace. I'm not able. And that's exactly the point. It is He who is able. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory. And with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all of God's people set together. Amen. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Wow. What a good God. What an awesome God that we have. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. you'd spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.